Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. If you're just now joining us, my name is Rhett. I'm the lead pastor here. It's an honor to have you with us. We're starting, or not starting, excuse me. We're in part two of a series we're calling Life, Money, and Legacy. But before we jump into the message today, can we just take a moment, do something we do every Sunday, and that is, can we throw our hands together, One Life Church, for our online church podcast family? Come on, let them know how much you love them. Come on, throw your hands together. Wherever you are, wherever you're, if you're on the couch, if you're in the car, you're drinking your favorite cup of coffee, man, we love you. We're a little bit jealous right now, no, but uh, we love you. You are our family, and we cannot wait to see you real soon. All right, you guys, like I said, we're in this series called Life, Money, and Legacy, and I'm really excited to bring you today this message, but I have to just speak to something for a moment. I don't know if you caught the trailer there, you know, like with the Kermit the Frog and all the other movie characters, right? We're doing something that we do every year, and that is called at the movies, everybody. We're premiering at the movies on Sunday, the 22nd. Somebody doesn't like at the movies today, you guys. They're like, I don't know about this whole movie thing in church. And can I just be honest with you? I get it. Because listen, you're like, can you actually put movies together in church? And here's what we're gonna do. We're actually gonna do that because Jesus did it. You're like, well, wait a minute. There weren't movies back in Jesus's day. And I go, yeah, absolutely right. But there were modern day stories that Jesus taught. And he used these modern day stories stories to pull out biblical truth, to teach God's love in God's way in God's hope. And this is what we're doing. We're basically taking our instruction from what Jesus did, but we're taking our stories, which are movies, and we're going to teach some biblical truth. So we're going to be some movie clips and there's going to be some preaching in between. It's going to be a lot of fun. And here's the thing. Hey, Christians, this service is not for you. You're like, oh man, Now, you're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun, okay? Don't get me wrong. Like, it's for you, but it's not really for you, okay? Uh, This is for those who would never step foot in the door of a church. This is for those those of you who have friends that were like, I don't know about this whole religion thing, right? I don't know all about this Jesus stuff, right? This is for them because I'll tell you what, if you're like, hey, you wanna come to a movie? The first thing they're gonna say is, yo, bro, have you like looked at the news lately? Like, uh, we can't go to the movie theater right now. Like, no, we can because my church is essential and we're showing a movie at church. You wanna come with me? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so you invite them to church and not only that, but you'll tell them, hey, you don't even have to pay for popcorn or Coke, man. We're giving it away for free. You know what I'm saying? We're giving it away for free from the money that you put in last week's offering. You know what I'm saying? Like we're paying for it, it's yours. But, (laughs) and it's gonna be a lot of fun. And I I wanna make this statement though here. What's really exciting about this is that not only are we going to premiere this on Sunday, the 22nd, which is two weeks away, but we're gonna have, you ready for it? Drum roll please, two services everybody, two service opportunities. And so why are we doing two, uh, two, two service opportunities? Well, the reason is because uh, more service opportunities, more opportunity for people to experience heaven because heaven and hell are realities and we don't want going, people going to hell. We want people going to heaven. Can I get a better amen somebody, right? And so we're given two opportunities for people to experience the love and the powerful message and the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, guys, this is gonna ride us all the way out to basically our Christmas candlelight service. So it's not only gonna be just on Sunday the 
22nd, but it's riding through the rest of the year, okay? It's gonna be a lot of fun. And then we're staying from two services moving forward because I don't know if you've noticed by looking around, but the church is growing, everybody. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, and our kids life team right now and dream team, they're feeling it y'all. They've got, they're averaging around about 70 kids every Sunday. Have you hugged a kids life dream team member lately? Can I tell you that? When you see them in the hall and you're checking your kids in and out, can you just, just tell them how much you love them? And uh, so this is gonna be a great opportunity for us to expand and, and just to grow because healthy things grow and God causes all things to grow. And we're just really excited to be a part of just an incredible church to God be the glory because of who you are that uh, people wanna come. And so we're just making room. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, so listen, as we jump into the message, we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It simply means we like to take notes. And so I want you to go to olc.church. Come on, play along with me. Pull out your smartphone, your dumb phone, your laptop, whatever digital device you came in here with today and go to olc.church, swipe down, click the button that says message notes. We do this not for our own health. We do this to help you. I not only want to inspire you on a Sunday, I want to give you the tools necessary that you're going to need throughout life, Monday through Saturday. And so this is a lot of fun. And if you're not a note taker, hey, why not today? Let today be the first day that you might even try it. I'm telling you, you might even enjoy it. And so go for it, olc.church, and let's jump into today. So Life, Money, Legacy, what is this series all about? Honestly, my hope was to try to bring some freedom and to try to bring some fulfillment in the area of your life and in the area of your money, as well as teaching you how to leverage your life for legacy, which we'll talk about next week. And we started with our theme verse that we mentioned last week. We'll start with it again today. It comes out of Haggai chapter one, verse five through seven. Let's read this. It says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. When it comes to your life, when it comes to your money, when it comes to every area of your life, it's time to give careful thought to your ways. Why? Because when it comes to your life, when it comes to your money, does any of this sound familiar? Look at the rest of the verse. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. Like you eat, but you never have enough. Like you're working hard, but you have nothing to show for it is what it's saying. And I would just go beyond and just let you know, I think it's because uh, we're doing things the world's way. There's a better way, God's way. And God's way works. But when you do things the world's way, look at the rest of the verse. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. In other words, you're just never satisfied. And check this out, you earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is how many of us feel today. So the question is, what do we do? Well, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, think about the framework. Think about the principles in which you're building your life upon. And so last week we started the series and, and really I was going to bring you a message last week that was really going to give you some practical tools on how to get out of debt. Like how do we get into debt and how do we get out of debt? But the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized that the way we get into debt or any desperate situation for that matter is the same. So whether it's debt, anxiety, depression, broken marriage, broken relationship, whatever it might be, whatever pit or trap we seem to fall into, we get into that pit the same way, and here's the key, we get out of that pit the same way. Pride, what does it do? Pride comes before destruction. That's what we talked about last week, right? And so pride, what does it do? It, it begins to lead to self-destructive behavior, which leads to isolation, which honestly ultimately leads to a dark place. Well, if pride comes before destruction, what we talked about last week is just reverse it. Humility comes before favor. So we talked about how to admit the truth, 
and be honest before the Lord and come before God and, and not wait, but like start today and humble yourself before God because a man on his face or a woman on their face could never fall from that position. And humility begins with favor. So that was week one and that was last week. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you missed that message, please go back and listen to that message. I believe that it has the power to change your life because it's God's word. And you can check that out on Apple iTunes, on our podcast. You can go to olc.church, click the button that says messages and you can follow up with that. But today... Today, we're going to talk about money. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get a big shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, pastor, preach it, right? I didn't think any of that was going to happen. In fact, if you're a guest today, you're probably like, uh, you know, I was just starting to begin to like this church, but honey, you get the kids, I get the car, we'll sneak out here in a moment, right? Because I get it. Listen, I grew up in the church. I grew up in religion. I grew up around, listen, there's three reasons people don't go to church. Number one, people are mean, services are boring. And number three, all the church wants is my money, money right? Yeah, and so I want to go ahead and preface this message and let you know this is not a message asking you to give more or to do more. No, in fact, I have a pet peeve around here. And, and the pet peeve that I have are pastors in my profession who get up on a platform who constantly bombard their people and say, you need to give, 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 give more, more, more. And, and it, it's as if they're, they're talking about giving is that the people don't want to be generous. See, I don't, I don't think people have a problem with being generous. I think people want to be generous. I think they have a heart to be generous. But I think the reality is many people are just financially strapped. It's like, I want to give. I just don't have anything to give. So our job as a pastor isn't to put pressure to say give more. But our job as a pastor, my job, at least I feel, my responsibility is to help you find freedom in your finances. And then to teach you how to ask God, be obedient to listen. And when you're financially free, then you have the ability to respond to the voice that he speaks to you so you can give generously with a cheerful heart. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Amen. And so I just want to just make this statement. You are, my friends, the most generous church on the planet. You really are. Your giving is making a difference not only in our city and this nation, but around the world. Like your giving is going places you can't physically be, but you're there because of your generosity. And I want to say thank you. So then you're asking the question, well, for generous church, why in the world are you talking about money? Well, it's because Jesus talked about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about your money and more about possessions than he did prayer and more than he did heaven and hell combined. So this is a very biblical truth that's very important to all our lives. And in fact, Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists, evangelists that ever lived, I love what he said this, here's his quote. He said, if a person gets his attitude around money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his or her life. And that's the truth. And so today I wanna to help you find hope in the area of your life, and in the area of your finances. Let's take, it a ver take a look at a verse that comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. And this honestly is really what inspired me for this message today. It says, people who want to get rich. In other words, people who have a wrong perspective or they have a bad thinking as it relates to money. Look at this. They fall into a temptation. In other words, they start developing some bad thinking. And they find themselves, here's the word, they find themselves in a trap. They feel stuck. They feel strapped financially. But also, notice this, not only that, but they also fall into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And let me just tell you this, as your friend today, as your pastor, I don't want this for your life. I don't want you to be in ruin. I don't want you to experience, you know, uh, destruction. No, in fact, I want the opposite of that. I want you to experience freedom 
especially in the area of finances. I want you free. And so look at the rest of the verse. It says, for the love of money. Notice this, the love of money, having this bad perspective of it. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Now notice that it's not saying that money is bad. No, 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 money's actually good. Like without money, you're not gonna eat, brother, right? You're not, you're not gonna be able to have uh, electricity and water in a, in a home, at least not for long, right? No, money's actually a good thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with money. However, right here, if we look at it for what it's actually saying, it's saying the love of it. The wrong perspective or the wrong understanding of it is what can lead to ruin. It's what can lead to destruction. In fact, it goes on to say some people that eager for money, they've wandered from the faith. In other words, they walk away from God. And look at this, it says they pierce themselves with many griefs. And some of you today, if you're honest, you say, you know, that's me. I've been pierced by some griefs. I feel trapped. I feel like my life is in ruin. I feel like my life is on the verge of destruction. And maybe it's because of some of the things that you did. Or maybe it's because of some of the things that were done to you that were beyond your control. But whatever it is, if you were honest, you would say, I just, I can relate to this. I feel pierced by life. And so my hope today is that you don't walk away and wander from the faith. But my hope today is that you walk closer to God and that you walk away today encouraged by the principles and the practical things that we can find in God's word that can help breathe life, freedom and fulfillment into every area of our life, including our money. And I honestly believe that Jesus would just simply remind us before we get started, just a simple verse that comes out of Luke chapter 12, verse 34. And that is, hey guys, wherever your treasure is, this is Jesus speaking. Wherever your treasure is, your ideas, your thoughts, your things, the things you hold close, your stuff, your money, right? It says there your heart or your life will be also. And as Christians, many of us would say here today, you know, Jesus, my heart is yours. And if that's your prayer, Jesus's response would be, okay, if that's the case, then everything that you hold close, everything that you hold dear in your life, all your stuff, all your things, even including your money, it needs to be leaned toward me and the purpose that I have for the reason that I've blessed you for it. And I just want to take a moment and say, listen, when it comes to money and finances, uh, I, I, am, I am not an expert when it comes to, you know, like a Dave Ramsey, right? How many have never heard of Dave Ramsey? Anybody never heard of Dave Ramsey? Okay, wow, he's done a good job marketing, right? <laughs> Kudos to you, Dave. So I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to stand up here and act like I've got it all together in teaching about finances. But what I am an expert on is how you can fail in your finances. <laughs> okay. Uh, in, in fact, and you're like, oh God, I mean, like you're your pastor, like you should be pretty good at this. I mean, I'm never going to give again, right? Now, I'm going to tell you a story of my past. God has since redeemed it, okay? Uh, and so in my early 20s, I'm not going to go to all the details of how I got there, but bottom line is this, in my early 20s, I was 23 years old, uh, I was over $200,000 in debt. Some of the decisions were mine, some of them weren't mine, but at the end of the day, the name on the bottom line for all the creditors was my name, <laughs> And not only that, I was in transition of a job and I was making about $10 an hour with about a $1,700 house payment, not including electrical, utility, car payment, two car payments, motorcycles. I was living the dream in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, man. This is before I met Linda. Living the dream, living American dream. And I was at a place of desperation. I was like, how in the world am I gonna get through this? I love God, but I was in a trap. I was stuck, I didn't know what to do. 
But I'll tell you by the grace of the God, by the grace of the Lord, I give you a long story, right? 17 years. It took me 17 years. Y'all, it took me 17 long, arduous, hard, complaining years two steps forward, five steps back. You know what I'm saying? 17 years of my life paying off that $200,000 in debt. But I paid it off. I'm not here to give kudos to me for what I did, but I will tell you this. This is what happened. Is uh, all my friends, all my family was telling me I needed to file bankruptcy. And I could have done that. But I was like, that's my name. And I feel like one day, I know that God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. And I feel like one day I'll be able to take the pain that I'm going through and use it for God's purpose. I feel like one day I'll be able to stand at a place where I can speak into somebody's life and say, you know, when it seems absolutely impossible, when you're making $10 an hour and you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for like weeks, right? Like you can get through this one step at a time through God's faithfulness. And I can stand here and attest to you today that what the enemy meant for destruction in my life, God turned it around for good. And I can stand here today and show you some of the scars financially and say, listen, no matter where you are, whether it's financial or, or whether it's marital, it doesn't matter. Whatever desperate situation you find yourself in, there is hope. There is hope. And his name is Jesus. And so what I want to do today is really I just want to teach some things that I've learned. Because here's the reality. God's, ways, God's way works. It just works. His way works. The world's way will always lead you to what I just explained to you. But God's way will always lead to life, fulfillment, and freedom. And now it is my joy to stand before you today and to teach you, to help you find freedom in the area of your finances. So today, I want to give you some hope in some hopeless situations. So if you and I were to sit down over coffee and you're like, Pastor man, tell me your story. Okay, how did you get out of it? Like, what are some principles I can apply in my life? I want to give you some just very practical principles. In fact, the principles I'm going to give you are what 99.9% .9 of every financial planner in the United States of America or around the world would give you. So this is just talking about numbers only. Okay, so here's the first principle that a financial planner would give you and myself would give you as well. And that is earning. Y'all earning. Y'all, you got to earn money. You got to have money coming in. Listen, you can't manage anything if you don't have any money. And so if you're 30 years old, still living in your mama's house in her basement playing video games, get a job. And they're not here today. They're listening online because they're waking up about one or two this afternoon, right? We love you. We love you so much. But if you want food, if you want clothing, if you want shelter, you got to have some income, right? Like no brainer, Rhett, right? Of course. But this is a big deal to being financially free, all right? Secondly, we would talk about spending. Everybody say spending. spending. Something we know very well, right? We got to talk about the money that's going out. In other words, we got to create a, oh, it's so hard to say, a budget, right? You know, 90% of Americans don't have a budget. That's not good, y'all. You have no idea where your money's going, and that's not good. You think you know where it's going, but I tell you, when you sit down and create a budget, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I went there, right? And many of us are living paycheck to paycheck, month to month. We get to the end of the month, and we're like, oh, we got a week left, and we're going to have to eat sardines out of a can or something, right? That sounds so nasty, right? It's because there's mismanagement, right? It's, we're not managing what God has given us well enough to know where it's going to tell it where. So we got to create a budget. And this is why it's important to, to attend a small group. Can I just give a plug to small groups for a second? 
because there are men and women in our church who take time out of their life to invest into you and your family to help you create a budget. Actually, last semester, we had, we had some families go through one of our um, financial small groups and they paid off over $14,000 in debt, y'all. Come on, man, put your hands together. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, they didn't pay it off because they didn't create a budget. No, they paid it off because they created a budget. They actually looked at what was coming in and started telling their money where to go. And so uh, we offer our financial small groups at least once a year. As our church grows, hopefully we'll be able to offer more of that, more of those. So, and we'll kick off our small group semester again in 2021. Where are you at 2021? Here we go. So we'll talk about earning. We'll talk about spending. We'd also sit down and here's the third area we talk about if we were having coffee and we talk about savings, savings. And by the way, this is just not a financial principle. Like this is a biblical principle. It's not in your notes, but it will be on the screen. Proverbs 21, 20 says that the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools, notice this, those who don't have a budget, right? They spend whatever they get. And I just want to tell you today, look, it's important not to spend everything that comes into your bank account. It's important not to do this. It's important to save some money and to set it aside, even if it's $10 a month. Well, Pastor Rhett, man, I mean, I, yeah, I don't even have $10 a month, all right? Uh, how much does that Disney Plus cost? There's a lot of things that we think are necessities in our life, like Netflix, Hulu, right? It's amazing all of a sudden how you can find some money to set aside for savings when you really begin to realize that some of the things we call necessities really aren't necessities. I'm stepping on some toes this morning. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to help you find some freedom, but you got to find a way to save. And a financial planner would really, Dave Ramsey himself would even tell you, and this is what I did in my own life, that you got to find a way to take a small little baby step in saving $1,000. You got to sell everything, sell your watch, sell your car, Sell your clothes, like whatever you got to do, like the things that you don't use that are just sitting in your garage that you have no, like put a for sale sign on it and sell it. I'll tell you how quick it, I mean, like my wife and I, uh, when we were, Max was just not even, I don't know, was he born yet or not? My wife's not sitting here. I can't remember. It all kind of gets dazed and confused in my mind, but we sold everything, like everything, everything. Like all I had was like the clothes I was wearing, kind of like everything. You know what I'm saying? To get that thousand dollars because you're going to need some safety in your budget, right? You need some to create some margin so you can breathe. And so a financial planner would also tell you that once you begin to save that $1,000, stop saving for a moment and now start focusing on all your debt. They call it a debt snowball, right? Hey, listen, I, church should be practical. Can I, like, I'm giving you some practical tools today that'll change your life, all right? But a debt snowball, what's that? I didn't recognize this or understand this as a, as a teenager or even as a young adult. But let's say you have five credit cards. One's 1,000, one's 700, one's 500, one's you get the picture and one's about 20 or 50 bucks, right? You put all your efforts on paying the lowest credit card off first. Even if it has high interest, just pay the sucker off, get rid of it. And then whatever money you were putting on your lowest card, take that money and begin to apply it to the next lowest, right? And then once you pay that one off, now you're taking the two cards that you had and the money that was there, now you're applying it to the third, so that one's paid off the fourth, the fifth, and so forth. It's called the debt snowball. And it, at first, it seems like it takes forever, man. I don't know if you've ever made a snowball outside, but it starts small. But over time, that puppy gets really big. And next thing you know, you're debt free. And you're calling Dave Ramsey going, I'm debt free, <laughs> right? That's what you're doing. And then from debt snowball of paying your debt off, then you're working on back to savings, three to six months of savings, because there is going to be a day that it rains. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when it rains. And some of you can go amen to that. 
And so here's the fourth thing we would talk about. Then we'd get into investing. Investing. Investing, it can be fun. And this is where you're, you're doing so well. Now you're not really working for your money. Your work, money's working for you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're setting aside some money for the purposes of letting it grow. And some of you are like, well, I'll never be able to do that. But did you know that the average car payment in America is $500? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a little bit more above that. But around $500, y'all, is the Ameri- that's the average car payment in America right now. And I'm just saying... If you just do a little bit of math, if you sold that car and chose to drive a jalopy, like my family and I, we were a one car family for like eight years of our 14 years of marriage. That puppy had 355,000 miles on it. It got us to Idaho and that was about it, y'all. Like (laughs) it kicked the bucket, but we drove it because we just drove the mess out of it because it was, it was paid for. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you were to sell that $500 month payment, you know, and get rid of that and get you a nice used car, or excuse me, pre-owned vehicle, right? Get you a nice pre-owned vehicle. This is what's going to happen. Like, if you took the money aside that you would normally pay like that $500 a month, if you started at the age of 25 and paid $500 a month for the rest of your life to like 65 in a good interest account or a good investment, do you know that you would be, five, you'd be a millionaire? You would have $5 million in your bank account by the time you're 65, I hope you like the car. You know what I'm saying? I hope you like Dave Ramsey says it a lot better than I do, but you know what I'm saying? You get the point, right? It's like, really? Is that car really? I mean, come on, $5 million or a $500 car payment the rest of my life. Cause here's the thing. You're going to have a $500 car payment. And then by the time you pay it off in five years, you're like, I'm tired of this car. I want to get another one. Then you're right back into the same situation, right? Needing financial freedom, financial. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? Okay. It's about to get really good. We're just getting going, okay? Here's the last one, and that I would tell you about is giving. Giving. See, financial planners really won't even talk to you about giving. They actually think that it isn't smart. In fact, they'll tell you that it's dumb, but here's the reality. Even non-Christians believe that at some point in your life, you should be giving to charity. So these are the numbers. Earning, spending, saving, investing, giving. And if you just did these, just apart from God's word, these will change your life. They'll absolutely impact your life. But as Christians, let's be honest, we know that there's more to life than this life. We serve a God who goes, goes beyond the natural. We serve a God who is true and his principles go way beyond the numbers. And they go beyond our understanding, let's be honest. Because when the world say, hey, your God, his way of giving, that makes no sense at all. And you go, yeah, I know it doesn't. Yeah. In fact, you can look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse nine and say, yeah, because here's my God. This is what he says, that the heavens are higher than the earth. This is God's word. So are my ways. They're higher than your ways. They're higher than your thinking of doing things the world's way. In fact, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so when the world's way comes to you and talks about earning, it's going to say, hey, you need to work your tail off. Can I say tail in church? You need to like work two or three jobs. In fact, you need to stretch yourself out to the point, hey, why don't you go ahead and move across the country? I know it's gonna be a lot more money. You'll never see your family. You'll never see your kids, but your bank account will be, woo, it'll be banking. But I mean, just do whatever you've got to do to earn money. And then God comes along and says, okay, you could do that. But actually there's a higher principle at work when it comes to earning, and that's the higher principle, is that calling, calling is better than compensation. 
In other words, you can't put a price tag on fulfillment. See, at the end of the day, money will never bring you fulfillment. You can try. I've tried. Money will never satisfy the longing that's in your soul. There's only one word, one man, one savior, one God. His name is Jesus. He's the only one who will ever satisfy the longing and the craving. You can say it's not there, but my brother, it's there. You know it is. Behind the layers, there's a longing for the satisfaction and fulfillment of joy and hope. And his name is Jesus. Listen, there's two great days in your life. The day you were born. Aren't you glad you're born, everybody? I mean, thank God for that, right? And uh, the day you discover why you were born is the second greatest day of your life. The day that you discover that God's not mad at you and that you can come into a relationship with him. The day that you discover not only that you can have a relationship with God, but that you discover that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And like, you're just not here to like suck air, pay taxes and die, you know? That's a good day. It's a great day. And here's the bottom line that I want you to see today is that we don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. That's a great thing. You might want to take a picture of that one. That's pretty good, right? I didn't come up with it. I stole it from another pastor, but it's good. (laughs) Financial principles, they are important, my friends, but there is nothing better than the fulfillment of having a relationship with God and discovering your purpose. In fact, Paul said this, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, listen, I consider my life worth nothing to me. It's worthless if I'm unfulfilled and I'm not doing what God's called me to do is what he's saying. It's if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel or the good news of God's grace, which is Jesus Christ. This is good news. And some of you are like, well, yeah, Pastor Red, of course, this is Paul. He had a calling on his life. I mean, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He planted churches all over the place. I mean, come on, right? But yeah, I would stand here today and say, yeah, you have a calling too, my friend. God created you on purpose for a purpose, my friend. And it's good. He's got a calling. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. And I'm telling you, you're not going to experience fulfillment until you come into a relationship with God and begin to discover the calling that God has for your life. Here's number two. So if I'm sitting around a table with you and we're having coffee or dinner and you want to know about these principles, I'm going to say, yeah, you need to earn money. Calling is much better than compensation. Compensation is important. But here's the second thing that I would want you to know is that when it comes to spending that we talked about in the natural, God has a higher way. There's a higher principle at work and that is contentment is better than consumerism. Contentment is better than consumerism. Write that one down. The fact is it's better, but here's the truth. Many of us don't believe it. Many of us have simply just bought into the lie of culture that says, I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. Right? right? So we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't even need to impress people we don't even like, right? It's like, what gives, man? And it simply leads to ruin. It leads to destruction. Why? Because we've lost the simple value of contentment. We've lost what it means to be content, everybody. Listen, consumerism always leads to chaos. Contentment it always leads to peace. Always leads to peace. And Jesus said this. I love this. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Hey, beware. Be cautious. Be on guard. Look out. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. Why? Because real life, real living has nothing to do with your finances. It's not related to how rich we are. 
Guys, some of the happiest people I know are some of the poorest people I know. Why? Because they ain't worried about paying nothing, y'all. They're not worried about insuring anything. They're not worried about securing anything. They're not worried about maintaining anything. Why? Because they ain't got nothing, y'all. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of peace in the simplicity of contentment. If you don't believe me, go on a mission trip one time. Change your life. Go on a mission trip to a third world country and you go to an orphanage where you see kids living out of cardboard boxes, playing with a rock and a stick. And they're some of the happiest kids you will ever meet compared to our kids in our culture who have Xboxes and Playstations and are fighting constantly and miserable and not happy and not even satisfied with the current system they got to have the next or the next or the next. I'm telling you, something happens, man. You're It'll change your life when you begin. It'll change your perspective when you realize what contentment will do. So what is contentment? That's a biblical value. Philippians chapter four, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. And all of us know what it is to be in need, right? But he goes on to say, I know what it is to have plenty. And some of us have been there. Some of us haven't. But I love this. It says, I've learned the secret. Everybody say secret. Of being content in in every situation, whether I'm well-fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm in want. Here's the question. Well, Paul, what is the secret? What's the secret? Well, the secret is realizing that you're already blessed. The secret is realizing it's this attitude of gratitude. It's being thankful for what you already have. It's like, it's a prayer that says, God, whether or not you ever do another thing for me, you've done enough for me through your son, Jesus. And I just want to say thank you. It's that kind of attitude. It's that kind of contentment that leads to peace. And contentment is this, this statement. I love this. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but it's just simply the realization of what you already have. That's good. See, contentment isn't more. Contentment isn't trying to outdo last year's Christmas. Contentment is just simply realizing that I'm already blessed, that it's okay. I have all that I need and more. Amen. Amen. I really hope you're getting something out of this. Here's number three. If we're sitting in the living room around the table, I would tell you that saving is important, but I would also tell you that God dependency or God dependence is better than independence. When it comes to saving God dependence, it's better than independence. See, one danger of a savings account is this, is that you can all of a sudden begin to look at your savings or your bank account as a source of security. Like you begin to look at it. And I just want to tell you today, don't find your security in your savings. Find your security in your God. The Bible says this, Proverbs 18, 11, look at this, the wealth of the rich, it's their fortified city. Like it's all they got. In fact, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. Like it's, there's, it's, like a, it's like a fort that no problem can cross. It's like this financial, also known as financial security, right? You hear that word. Here's the problem with financial security. You ready? It's a figment of your imagination. It is a false sense of security. Never heard a person on his deathbed about to die say, you know, I wish I had a, another million dollars in my 401k right now. That'd be really great. No, ain't nobody talking about money or bank account when they're on their deathbed. That's why I'm saying like, listen, your bank account, your security in life, it's false. It's false. And so if you ever want to experience freedom, here's the key. You got to put your trust in God, not your bank account. You got to look to God as your source 
of hope. And here's a powerful prayer. I love this, Proverbs 38 through nine. Give me neither poverty, God. Give me nor riches. But look at the attitude of contentment here. It says, give me only my daily bread, like everything that I need today. God, I just trust you with what I need to have today because otherwise I might have too much. I might disown you and I might say, who is the Lord again? Like, I'm so blessed. I forgot, is, yeah, who is God? Or look at the rest of the verse. Or I may become poor and I may become and get to the place where I might have to steal things and so dishonor the name of my God. In other words, if I have too much, listen to this. If you get to the place where you have too much, you might stop praying. You might stop believing. You might stop trusting. You might get to the place where you're like, I don't really need God. I just, I just need me. So here's a great thought to live by. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. It's just a great statement. It's a great way to live your life. I will not trust in riches, but I will trust in him who richly provides. In other words, God, you alone are my source. You alone are my everything. God, give me today what I need today. God, I realize that the things that you've blessed me with, Lord, it's all really that I need. My breath, my health, my family, my friends, church family. Like everything else is just like added bonus. But God, I'm just thankful. I realize that I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm just trying to give you some higher principles that go beyond the numbers this morning. Because the numbers alone, they'll change your life, but they'll change your life in this life. But the principles that go beyond the natural, that go beyond into the supernatural, they'll not only change this life, but they'll change the life to come. And that's why number four, that is if we're sitting in a living room table, I would talk to you about investing, but I would say there's a higher principle at work. And that is stewardship is better than ownership. Stewardship is better than ownership. Listen, one of the greatest financial principles I ever learned was that God owns everything. And I'm just his manager. This is like, this will change your life. If this is the only thing you walk away from today, that God owns everything. And I just recognize that I'm his manager. Imagine if you just lived your life this way. Like if you leverage everything in your life, your time, your talent, your home, your car, your food, your money, your resources. Like if you leverage everything for God, imagine what that would look like. If I said, God, I've got some time today. Like who could I text? Who could I encourage? Or maybe you've got a talent. I mean, how could I use that talent to benefit the kingdom of God? Or God, I've got this amazing house and property and how could I open this property up to be, to be a blessing to kids or students or other families? And God, you've blessed me and you, you more, than I, more than I could ever imagine, God, who are some families in our church that I could be a blessing to and help in some hard times, but also teach some financial principles to help them learn how they can get out of the trap. You see what I'm saying? Imagine what your life would look like if you just leveraged your life for God's kingdom and you realize, you know, everything that I have is his and I'm just gonna manage what he's already given me. It's like, God, I'm blessed. Not just to be blessed, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Jesus gave us this principle. I love this, Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Don't make all investments about earth. It's not just about earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But look at this. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say heaven. Listen, earth is not your home. Heaven is your home. It's coming. It's coming. There is hope. It's heaven. His name is Jesus. So store for yourself treasures there where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves, they don't break in and steal. In other words, make an eternal difference with your life. Steward well what God gave you to make a difference in another life of another human being. Listen, life is short. It's but a mist. It's like a vapor. You can't take the stuff with you. So why not just go ahead and send it on? You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, this is good preaching. This is God's word. Here's the last principle. If I don't say so myself, right? It changed my, it's changed my life, y'all. I went from $200,000 to debt-free. It took me 17 years to get there, but these are the principles that I learned that I want to share with you, that I want to help somebody. There is hope on the other side. And these are the principles I live my life on. Here's number five and the last one that we'll close. Last principle, if I'm sitting around your living room table, we're over coffee, I would tell you that generosity is better than misery. Generosity is better than misery. Listen, the opposite of being a, a generous person, you know what it is? It's being a miser. Do you know what a miser is? Somebody who's mean and stingy. Yeah, Scrooge. Somebody said Scrooge, right? That's a miser. Some of the most miserable people are the stingiest people on the planet. Some of the most happiest people are like you here at One Life Church. Why? Because you are some of the most generous people on the planet. Jesus himself said this. I love this. The Lord himself said, Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The Greek word here for blessed actually translates as happy. It's happy. It's like joyful. In other words, you'll experience more joy giving than you ever will receiving. That's why I love this season that we're about to ramp up into. Listen, we're generous as a church all throughout the year. But this season affords us an opportunity to even go above and beyond. Why? Because we're walking into the seasons where everybody just singing Christmas carols and turning their lights on and going ice skating and all those things, right? Like it's just the holidays to be generous. We talked a little bit about this last week. And that's why I want to encourage you as a church, let's go a little bit more beyond what we would typically do. And I would encourage you to pray and ask God how you could take our acts of kindness cards. Our acts of kindness, put that on the screen, bud. Our acts of kindness cards, they're at every table that's throughout the room. They're actually outside, I guess, central as well. But they're a little card that just simply says something extra to show you God loves you. So what is this card all about? All I want to do is just encourage you to take a handful of these cards. We bought them with the offering you gave last week, right? They're yours. Take them, right? And I would encourage you just to be a blessing. Pray and ask God when you're in the drive-thru at Starbucks or Dutch Bros or whatever your coffee of choice is. Ask God, Lord, would you have, you want me to pay for the person behind me? And if God speaks, then just be obedient and then hand this card to the teller there that's there doing the transaction and say, hey, I'd like to pay for the car behind me. If you wouldn't mind, would you give this card to them and let them know? And I'm telling you, it's going to change that teller's life, but it's also going to change the person in that car when they get it and they pull up and their coffee's paid for and like, what? What in the world? And they see a card, something extra to show you God loves you. And then when they flip it over on the back, it says, and so do we. We love you. And it's just got One Life Church, the name of the church there. I mean, like when you're going out to eat today, you have a prime opportunity with your waiter or your waitress. And that mom who's working two or three jobs who hadn't seen their kids all week in passing, when you leave them a big honking tip, you know what a big honking tip is? A lot of money. <laughs> and when you leave them that tip and all of a sudden you see the tear begin to fall down her eye, you recognize that you, you made an eternal difference. Why? Because the tip and the generosity you just gave her allowed her maybe two or three hours more that she could spend with her kids than having to spend working that hard, arduous job. And this is what generosity looks like. It's really simple. Here's another one. Maybe you don't have the finances to do that. Uh, I want to tell you about an opportunity we call Serve Day. Serve Day. It's coming up. Saturday, November the 21st. I want to encourage some of you. What we're going to do is actually we're going to have a team, and they're actually going to be at our guest central table uh, on the way out. But we're actually going to get a, together a team, and we're going to go down on this day, and we're going to feed the homeless. We're going to do some things here in Nampa. 
And so there's going to be a list of items that you can bring. I, um, I'm just going to name a few, but socks, chapsticks, deodorant, bars of soap, shampoo, band-aids, tissues, and you can drop them off at Guest Central uh, next Sunday. And we're going to take all those items and we're going to go be a blessing to our community. Again, if you want more information on that, go to Guest Central after service and get with our team. They'll tell you everything you want to know about that. So why do we do this at One Life Church? Why do we do this? It's because we understand this principle. Put this on the screen. The value of my life isn't determined by how much I achieve or even accumulate, but it's by how much of my life I give away. So I just want to remind us, 1 Timothy 6.18 says, hey, pastors, command your church. And I don't feel like I need to command you. I just feel like we need to be reminded from time to time. Just do good. Be rich in good deeds. And be generous and willing to share. Because if you do, look at what happens when you give out acts of kindness cards. Look at what happens when you connect with a Serve Day project here in, in Nampa. It says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves. It's talking about you as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. What is it saying? It's saying you went beyond just the numbers. And you grab the hold of a value system that is higher than the world system, that the world doesn't understand. And you grab the hold of God's higher principles. And you just ultimately begin to realize that, here's the bottom line, put this in your notes, write this down, is that God's way works. Come on, everybody say that out loud. God's way works. Will you bow your head? Will you close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few minutes. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you today. You know, talking about money, if I'm just being honest, is very difficult sometimes because all of us, we're at different places with it. And it is very close to our heart, whether we want to admit it or not. But Lord, we know that we need your help. If we ever want to find freedom, we can't do this on our own. We need you. And so God, today, we just begin, like I talked about last week, we just admit the truth and we humble ourselves before you, asking you to help us and to lift us up. And God, I'm praying that no matter what journey somebody is on today, but there would be at least one principle that would stick out to them that maybe you would speak to their heart that they could just begin to work on. Whether it's earning, whether it's spending, giving, or investing, or whatever it might be. But God, that you would just reveal that to their heart and help them with those next steps. God, you've never intended us to do this alone. You've always intended us to do this in relationships. So I ask that you would just give people the wisdom, God, just to take some steps and invite people along on that journey, maybe to get into a small group and to take those next steps to finding freedom. Because God, the trap is a lie. There is hope and we know who it is. It's Jesus. And we thank you for Jesus this morning. You're so good to us. Now listen, in this attitude of prayer, all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. Some of you are here this morning. And if you were honest, you were like, you know, I, I get the principles, those are great. Maybe I'm even living them and you're experiencing financial blessing, but you are not experiencing fulfillment. You have no peace, you have chaos. If you were just truly honest and gut-wrenching honest, you would say, I just have no hope. I don't know what life would look like beyond this. If I were on my deathbed, I have no idea what lies beyond the curtain of this life in the natural. And that scares me. Like if you were honest, you say, it scares me. I, I want to know hope. And if there is hope, I want to find that hope. And my friend, if that's you today, I want you to understand that there is life after this life. If there is a God who loved you, who cared enough about you to make way so you could have a relationship with him. 
And not to have to experience guilt, not to have to experience shame, not to have to experience anxiety, but to experience the fulfillment that you've always longed for. It only comes in a relationship with God and that comes through his one and only son and his name is Jesus. It's a free gift. It's not anything you can earn or do. Religion would say, do more, do more, do more to earn righteousness. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good. It is simply a free gift. And Jesus is standing at the heart store today and he's knocking. And if you'll let him in, he'll change your life. You'll experience a miracle. And the miracle is salvation. Salvation isn't going to a church. Salvation isn't going to a church service or doing good things. Salvation is when you simply say, I'm tired of going my way today. I'm going God's way. I'm surrendering my all to Christ. Some of you have done that, but you've walked away. You've wandered from the faith. Some of you have never made that decision. So whoever you are today, I would encourage you with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. But if that's you today and you wanna come into a relationship with God and you wanna experience the eternal life beyond this life, his name is Jesus. If you wanna experience Jesus today, would you just be so bold as to raise your hand all across this room? I just wanna give my heart to Christ. God bless you, sir. Come on, nobody, this is the most important decision of your entire life. Eternity is on the line. If that's you, God bless you. You can put your hands down. Whether you raise your hand or not, doesn't really matter. It's really about a heart that connects with God. Would you just say a simple prayer like this? Say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died and I believe you rose again to pay for my sin. Forgive me change me. Come live inside of me. I declare you as my Lord. I declare you as my Savior. I put my faith, my hope, and my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. And I pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Help me make a difference. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just said that prayer, hang with me. It's the greatest in the single greatest decision of your entire life. And I'm so proud of you. I want to welcome you home. But I want you to understand one thing. There are other steps to take. Just like if I were to get in my car today and drive home, I would have to walk off this platform to get in my car. That is a step. And there are some steps that we take in our spiritual journey of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. And we would love to help you with that next step. But the only way that I can help you is if you let us know you made the decision well, how do you do that? Through the connection card that's in your worship guide, or you can go to online at olc.church, click the button that says online connection card, and let us know you made that decision. And this is what's gonna happen. Nobody's gonna call you. Nobody's gonna show up at your house. Nothing like that. All I wanna do is simply send you personally an email that says, congratulations, and here are some next steps. Hey, One Life Church, we had some people raise their hands today and make a decision for Christ. We put your hands together today and celebrate. Come on. Amen.